Hello and welcome to the Every Nation Twane Moikluf podcast. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message with us. We're starting with a new series. It's called Whose Word Is It Anyways? And it's a series on the Word of God. It's a series on the Bible, but not just the Bible. The Bible is the written Word of God. Um, God's communication to mankind, revelation of Himself to us, and we find that in the Bible. But through the Bible and through knowing God, God continues to communicate to us in many ways, through people, through leaders, through nature, through the Holy Spirit. And so this series is not just about the Bible. It's mainly about the Bible, but it's about God's communication to us. It's about His Word. And so, and most of you saw this, uh, the video in the week that we released about the sermon series, sharing a bit about what it is. This whole church is built on the foundation of the Bible, the Scriptures. Everything that we are, everything we believe, everything we're doing, we're doing convicted about the fact that the Bible is, is calling us to do these things. We're building on the Scriptures. We're, we're building on God's communication but how do we know we can trust it? How do we know we can trust the Bible? How do, we, how do we know that it is a firm foundation for us to build our lives on? And if it is, then how can we grow in our love for it? And how can we share it with others? And that's what the series is going to be about. Those four things. Trusting the Word. Standing on it. Building on it. Loving it and sharing it with others. I really want to trust, friends. We see a, we see a picture of a, of a family, a community, a people who go out into the world and nothing moves you. Nothing can move you. Nothing can determine your emotions. Nothing can instill fear because you're standing on an immovable rock, the Word of God. This is the kind of church God is calling us to be. So, we're going to be reading from John chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. Will you open your Bibles to John chapter 1, verse 1 to 5? If you only have your Bible on your phone, can I invite you from next week to bring your hard copies? Okay, we're going to place a great value on the hard copy. Even your phone, yes, we use it for the Bible and to glorify God, but it will often use you for your, for your attention with all the notifications that come while you're reading your Bible. And the best way to cancel that out is to put it aside and take the hard copy. So from next week, please bring your hard copy Bibles, bring your journals, bring a pen. Um, and for this series, we want to cultivate sort of an, an alertness, an honor, have a posture in our bodies when, our, when we're reading the Bible that this is the authoritative Word of God. So can I ask you to stand with me? Everyone can stand. And I'm going to read for us from John 1, verse 1 to 5, and you can follow in your Bibles with me. All right. I'm going to read this. So this morning, if I haven't said it, this morning is about can we trust the Word? Can we trust God's Word? So let's read if we can trust the Word. John chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you will break open the scripture and reveal to us this morning how trustworthy your word really is. In Jesus' name, amen. You can take your seats. Okay, so there's a, there's a very crucial word in this passage we need to understand in order to make sense of what the gospel writer John is trying to tell us. And the word is word, okay? That's the word we need to understand here. So I want you to know something. When John is writing this, obviously the Bible as a collective document does not exist yet. So when he says the word of God, in the beginning was the word, he's not referring to the Bible per se. And we think he is, um, and we infer that he is, and we're not completely wrong by saying that, but I want to tell you what exactly he was really referring to. So the Greek word used for the word here is logos. There's two Greek words in the Bible that uses to refer to the word. There's the rhema and the logos. The rhema is a specific spoken word, while the logos is much more, it's like revelation. It's, it's something revealed. But more than that, the Logos, John gives the Logos here a couple of attributes. John says, in the beginning was the Logos. In other words, the Logos is eternal, was not created. The Logos was towards God. It was, it was in relationship with God, but the Logos also is God. So what is John referring to when he, when he gives these attributes to the Logos? Well, um, I put an, a picture up of Plato. Um, in Greek philosophy, in the time of Plato and his followers, they had this, uh, this understanding of the Logos to describe something's or someone's purpose, Okay? Uh, everything that exists, there's this philosophy, uh, the philosophy goes like this, everything that exists has a reason for its existence, it has a purpose, okay? I've got uh, some nice uh, miracle meal here, all of us are going to enjoy our communion, there's a purpose for this, it was created and made for a purpose for us to have communion a little bit later on. That's its logos, there's a reason for it, it has a logos, a purpose. And so the philosophers were philosophizing and saying, is there an ultimate purpose above all purposes? An ultimate meaning to life, to us? Is there a meaning that is above all meanings? What is the logos for everything? What is the reason for everything? That's the logos. So the Greek philosophers would philosophize, and they'd say, could the reason be to enjoy our lives to the fullest, to make the most of our time on earth? Maybe it is to have great influence, you know, to make mankind better than it is. Could it be that I need to reach a certain state of nirvana where, where I have no more need and no more negative emotion. That's what Stoicism was largely about. 
Is it to be unattached or attached to nothing so that I could never get hurt? What will give us the greatest amount of contentment? What, what, what is the ultimate purpose of everything? And this is the question that all of us are asking. Often in our lives, how do I make the most of my life? How do I make the most sense of my meaning and purpose in life? Why, why am I here? What's my purpose? As Christians, we often say, what's God's will for my life? Now, there's an awesome movie that, that really uh, brings this out well. It's a movie called Chariots of Fire. Anyone enjoy that movie? Yes? I interesting movie, okay. Chariots of Fire, it's about uh, Eric Liddell and Harold Abrams, and, and they were these sprinting phenoms in the world in 1924 uh, in the Olympics. And so Harold Abrams, being the 100-meter champion of the time, has a quote where he's, where he's showing that he's also searching for this purpose. And he says, this is the quote, he says, I'm forever in pursuit, and I don't even know what I'm chasing. I have 10 seconds to justify my existence. I think that's what I'm doing here. I'm chasing the moments that make life matter. So Harold Abrams was asking, what's my logos? What's the reason for my existence? I run to justify my existence. The most significant I can be is to be the Olympic champion. That's my logos. Now there's a, there's a small problem with that logos. You, he was only Olympic champion once in 10 seconds. And then someone else would come and take his place. And if you're done with that logos, what is then the logos? I, um, I'm, a, I'm, a big, I, I'm a big athletics fan. And so back in, so it was 2021, two years ago, we saw one of the greatest world records in history, Karsten Warholm running the 400-meter hurdles in 45.94 seconds. The previous world record that stood for, I think, 25 years was, 40, it was a full second slower. And he absolutely obliterated that world record. And not long thereafter, there was this uh, BBC News article that showed where he was saying, uh, Karsten Wallen was saying, I'm struggling to find my purpose. I've reached the height that I believed was my logos. He's not using those words, obviously I am. But I've reached the height of my purpose, my reason for existence. And now what is there left for me to do? I don't know what there's left for me. And I think the, real, the realization he got was, it was pretty lonely on his way up there, and up there it was still as lonely. He was him, Karsten Warholm, all the way up there. And when he got there, he realized he's still only himself. It's just you. And so John, writing in the scripture, in the beginning was the Logos. He knows about this philosophy. It's largely writing to a Greek audience. And he is saying, here's the reason for everything. So with that in mind, I want to read just the first two verses again. But I want to replace the word word with this meaning. So I'm going to read it. In the beginning was the reason for everything. And the reason for everything was with God. And the reason for everything was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now who is John referring to? You go a couple of verses down, you get to verse 14. 
verse 14, John says, And the Logos, the reason for everything, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. The first thing I want you to know is that the word of God, his communication, his revelation to mankind of everything, the reason for everything, the purpose, the meaning of it all is fully revealed in Jesus Christ. And the Bible is the documentation of that revelation. And so here's the thing about the Bible. Why can the Word be trusted? Well, the Word is not just a written document. It is a person. And if the person is trustworthy, then the Word is trustworthy. And that's the first point I want to make this morning. The Word is trustworthy because it is about a person who is trustworthy. And that person is the reason for everything. And we take the Bible sometimes as a guide to live a certain kind of lifestyle. We grew up in a, in a very, um, how can I say, a legalistic right and wrong society. If you grew up uh, conservative, then you would, have, you would have known that like, it's all about doing what is right and not doing what is wrong. It's recht of verkeerd. Almost all of the questions I get and people ask me questions is things like, but is it really sin? Is it wrong? And is it right? And that shows me what you believe is the Logos. You believe the Logos is to do what is right. And you believe that purpose, that meaning, is what's going to fill the need to be significant. But that's what every other religion tries to do. Every other religious writing. I'm looking at uh, the Quran in Islam. The Quran claims to be the most complete set of rules and rituals to obey for mankind to find his way back to God, to find his Logos. The most complete set of rules and rituals that you need to obey and keep to. And it's more or less the same with the Hindu writings, the Buddhist writings. There's a lot of names. I've got all the names here, but it's like the Vedas and the Upanishads and Bhagavad Gita. Yes, that's the Hindu, the Buddhist writings. Tripitaka, Dhammapada, Sutras. All of these things exist with very much the same purpose. I want to give you enlightenment, give you wisdom, give you knowledge of life that you may know how to live your life, do the right things and you will feel significant. Do the right things and you found your logos. Every religion and even atheism claims, here's the set of rules, here's the things you need to do in order to attain. The Bible says no. Here is what God has done to bridge the gap and to attain you. It is fundamentally opposite to every other train of thought. The Bible is about a tripersonal, trinitarian God who longs for a relationship with man. He made a way to mankind. It's about that person, Jesus Christ, who made the way and knowing him intimately. That is what the Bible is about. It is about a person. It is about a relationship. And friends, if you pick up your Bible, you read it for the wrong reason. I've heard many reasons people don't read their Bible. You pick it up. Man, it's so boring. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know the Bible was written to entertain you. 
I didn't know it was written for your entertainment. It's not. It's written to give eternal life. It's written about a person. It's written so that you can know someone. You want to tell me that you will walk away from every single relationship you find boring? Then you probably just tell me that you don't have relationships at all. Because the purpose of relationships is not entertainment or boredom. In fact, it's not self-centered. Every self-centered relationship is probably just going to die out. It's the same with the Word of God. Don't approach the Bible wanting to be entertained. Approach the Bible because you want to know someone. Now, there's a couple of other characteristics that makes the Bible trustworthy in the Scripture. The second one I want to mention is that the Bible is eternal. Verse 1 and 2 says, In the beginning was the Word. It was in the beginning with God. Now, if you think of almost all ideas and writings, everything that, that's supposed to give us a logos, a writing, a, a guidance, it, it is time-specific. It's time-bound. It's written for a specific age and a specific time. There's an expiry date. When I used to study my bachelor's in theology, um, you would get better marks for using newer resources than the older ones. Because the idea goes like this. The more mankind progresses in our thought and writing, the more we can draw from past writers, the better we're getting, right? That's how it goes. That's the thought. That's how we think. And so at some point, just the old writings, just, they're just expired. Get the new stuff. Good marks. The Bible, the Word of God, God's revelation to Himself, had no beginning it was there in the beginning. It is not time-bound. It is not to a specific culture or race. It is not to a specific issue. It is all-encompassing over all centuries and ages. It is eternal. That is why it's trustworthy. Because it is eternal, it does not favor one culture above another. It does not favor one idea or person or thought above another. It is not time-bound. It does not expire. It is applicable for yesterday. It is applicable for today. And guess what? It will be just as applicable a thousand years from now. You want your future to be safe and secure? Build on the Word. Because it is eternal. Second thing, third thing, of why the Bible is so trustworthy is because it is creator. The Bible is creator. We look at verse 3, it says, All things were made through Him, the revelation of God. And without Him was not anything made that was made. All created things have a purpose. But God's Word is preeminent over all purposes. If God's, every word, every communication that you have, every revelation has a purpose, right? When you speak in relationship with someone, the reason is you want to build a relationship. You want clarity. You want, you, you know, you're, you're communicating. I mean, come on. Marriages rise and fall on good communication, expectations. There's a purpose to every word. There's a purpose to the news that you read. Maybe it's to inform. Maybe it's a call to action. Maybe it's, it's just to, to shed light. There's a purpose to all revelations, all written things. The Bible 
is preeminent over all of that. If you think okay, of, of all of our communication and, and everything we do in communication, a lot of it's pretty reactive, right? There's something you say and I react to what you're saying. There's something that happens and we react by writing a news article and people need to be aware and, and it's reactive. There's a lot of reaction in the communication of the world. The Word of God is not reactionary. The Word of God is, I don't even want to say it's proactive, but it is. But more than that, it is creator. It is creating. The Word of God, in the beginning, the earth was null and void. Was, there was darkness. And God said, His word, let there be light. And all of creation, all of the molecules and the atoms and the cells and, the, and, and everything, the electrons, the protons, the neutrons, everything that was necessary to produce what God's word is revealing was obeyed. I want you to realize something here this morning. That even when and if we don't trust the word of God, your physical body is completely dependent on it to just hold together. Every cell in your body was dependent on the word of God to exist and is constantly upheld by the word of God. Colossians chapter 1, I don't have it on the screen is this wonderful poem about Jesus Christ. And I preached on this when we spoke about the value of lordship. That Jesus is preeminent above all things. Um, through him all things were made. And for him all things were made. And in him all things hold together. Jesus Christ holds it all together. The word of God holds it all together. And so I said this then and I'm, I want to say it now. Do you sometimes feel like things fall apart? Like things don't make sense, your life, your family, maybe things are falling apart. How's it going with your relationship with God's word? How's it going with your understanding of what his word says of every situation you find yourself in? If you're saying you're struggling to understand this, are you willing to put in the same amount of effort even more than you did when you were studying as a student to understand the work you never did? Are you willing to go all the way to understand the word of God because you realize and trust that all things hold together because the word is creator? The last thing that this scripture says about the word and why it's trustworthy. Okay, we've got so far it's trustworthy because it's about a person who is trustworthy. We've got it is eternal, it is creator. And number four, verse four and five of the scripture says, in him the word was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The word is trustworthy because it is life and light. Do you like my picture for life? Cute baby. I wanted to put my own daughter there, but I had to search through 10,000 pictures. Life. This is referring both to the existence of all life, but also to life being whole and complete. The life 
Man, all of us are looking for life. You can use the word life and death metaphorically, right? So I just feel dead today. Everyone knows. Uh, it's probably he's tired or he's burnt out or he's, just, yeah, I feel so alive today. Oh, wow, he's overflowing with joy and things are good, things are well. And that's what this word is also referring to. The life, the true source of this yearning of man to live a life that is significant, whole and content, overflowing in joy, is never going to be found in actions and rules you keep. It's going to be found in submission to God's word, the Logos, Jesus Christ, and relationship with him. That is the life. The life is not, it's not something to grab a hold of. It is someone to know. The life. What does it mean in him is the life? It means walking closer and more intimate with him than you can ever dream you will find true life. It's not something to attain. It's someone to know. And the life was the light of men. Now, what does light do? Light exposes. It reveals, right? It shows that which is, but it also sheds light on where I must go. It shows the way. So when I speak about it exposes, um, Philip always has this quote. He says, when you pick up the Bible and you read the Bible, you don't just read the Bible, it reads you. It reads you. And as you go through the scriptures, you start seeing yourself in a completely different way. It humbles you, but it uplifts you. It, it, it confronts you, but it changes you. It exposes your weakness, your flaws, our sinfulness. But it shows God's greatness, holiness, and goodness. And that, the fact that we see our sinfulness, what we deserve, God's holiness, what we need to attain, and God breaching the gap by His grace presents a greater amount of gratitude than we could ever produce in any other way. That is what the Word of God exposes. I want to ask you a quick question. Can you be fully exposed before God and be okay with it? If you really know what the Bible truly is and you trusted it wholeheartedly, of course you would be able to. Of course you wouldn't mind. You sit in a connect group and you'll be, you'll be confronted and you'll expose your life and you'll bring out your weaknesses and your sins and you'll be okay with it because you know what the Word of God does. It takes your death and it gives you life. It takes your brokenness and it gives you wholeness. If we trusted the word of God, none of us would ever, ever be afraid to be fully exposed before it. But it also guides us. It also guides us. Man, my heart is broken when I look at the world that does not have Jesus or trust the Bible. And for thinking of the time that this month was, uh, all of you would probably have known, it was Pride Month. It was the month where they want to cultivate awareness and a greater acceptance and tolerance for the LGBTQ movement. The LGBTQ movement, like all of us, 
are looking for a logos, a reason for everything, to feel significant, to feel approved, to feel whole. And the LGBTQ community believes that they have found their logos. And their logos is getting to do whatever I feel like doing. Getting to be who I feel like being. Getting to define myself. That is my logos. If I get to do that without anyone opposing me, I have my logos. And the very sad reality is that this community has one of the greatest, the highest suicide rates that we have ever seen in the history of mankind. The only time we've ever seen these kinds of suicide rates was actually in the Second World War in the concentration camps. But what's even more sad is that in, most, in some of the most liberal and approving societies, like Los Angeles, in the whole world of the LGBTQ community, there's not a big difference in the suicide rate. If you look at the Bible, you realize that all other guides in the Word of God, whether it's our feelings, our emotions, our, our, our desires, our definitions of ourselves, they're all insufficient. They'll forever be incoherent. It will lead to death and destruction. It leaves us always wanting more and never having sufficient. The Word of God shows the way. I must say, I can really relate with that element of the LGBTQ community in that one of the things that I had to confront in my own life is overcoming my escapism addiction. Um, not growing up with a father, uh, there was always something about a purpose or, a, or an acknowledgement in me, an approval of a male figure that I was missing. And so instead of looking for it somewhere, I would just numb the feeling. I just fill the gap with playing PlayStation and watching videos and so on. And that, that pattern followed me for a long time in my life, even up until ministry. And one of the final things, there was a lot of lies I had to break in order to overcome that, that, that escapism thing. But one of the things that I, had to, that I needed to do was I had to realize that I believed that my feelings had a greater logos than a person, Jesus Christ. If I could feel a certain way, that would complete me, but it, but it wouldn't. It never would. But there is a person who will. And I had to repent. I had to turn away from that and say, sorry, Lord, I'm, I'm so sorry that I've idolized, I've prioritized my emotions, my feelings, my desires above just knowing you. Man, and that set me free. That set me free. Friends, none of this would have happened if the Logos did not become flesh and dwelt among us. If the Logos did not become flesh and we have seen His glory, we have seen Him, we have seen Him living out that which is whole and complete. We have seen Jesus Christ doing miracle upon miracle, overcoming every fear, every sickness and disease. We have seen Jesus Christ providing and being the reason for everything. Jesus Christ 
three times predicted his death by crucifixion. Jesus Christ predicted his bodily resurrection. And he did all of that. Today, if you believe that with all of your heart, that every brokenness, every part of your sin, everything in your life that is not in line with Him, has been taken by Him, then you too will inherit Him as your Logos, the reason for everything. And that concludes today's message. For more information, visit our website at everynationswane.org forward slash moikluf. That's everynationswane.org forward slash moikluf. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Till next time then. Yeah.